Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. On tonight's program, we bring you news, arts, and culture. We focus on how art is a vehicle for social change. We bring you an interview with director Paul Flores about his recent production, On the Hill. I am Alex Nieto. On the story of Alex Nieto's murder by the SFPD, it is a musical and art production. We also bring you an interview with the dance group Andares, which uses dance as a means to tell the story of civil war, the fight for accountability, and reconciliation in Central America. We also bring you some of our own Nina Serrano's poems around the fires in the mission and the fight against gentrification. All this and much more, and of course, a calendar of upcoming events. Stay tuned. No te lo pierdas. This is Nina Serrano for La Raza Chronicles. My guest today is Luz Mena. She is the Associate Director of the Andares Project, a multidisciplinary art project for social justice in El Salvador. Bienvenido, Luz Mena. Gracias, Nina. Gracias por invitarme. Thank you for inviting me to this program. It's a pleasure to have you here. Could you tell us a little bit about the project? Let's begin with defining the word andares. Andares literally just means ways of walking, but we loosely translate it to mean we go on walking together. And how does that relate to this interdisciplinary arts project? Well, this project is a way of revisiting the Civil War. We want to shed a new light on it. As you know, El Salvador is a post-conflict society, really grappling with still a lot of political tension and socioeconomic difficulties. And a lot of this has come from the war. And what we believe it's needed is a dialogue. It's a, it's a society painfully divided, so not much can get done with that division. And ABD Productions, of which Anne Blithenthal is the director, uh, specializes on that, in promoting dialogue in post-conflict situations or conflict situations where no dialogue is possible. And she does that with movement. She's a choreographer. And she says, wherever just regular talk cannot be possible, sometimes movement can inject that possibility, bringing beauty into it. What a marvelous idea and how very necessary, because in so many situations around the world, El Salvador being one, there's so much conflict was very shocking for me the other day, the way the Colombian elections went, where people actually, 4% majority, voted for war. This was absolutely shocking. And do you think that was because of this absence of dialogue, simply two sides confronting each other? The Colombian case is a little different, and there were like four different points on which people did not agree on the terms of the peace accord, one of them being the, the amnesty law, in which people that had been accused of war crimes would not be punished, would go free, which was also a point of contention in El Salvador. Uh, I think that Perhaps a month ago, that amnesty law, which was passed with our peace agreement in 1992, was deemed non-constitutional. So that now the terms of how certain war crimes are going to be handled is being talked about. Some, some war crimes are being brought to trial. Well, I think we should leave this topic because I want to get to Andares, but I'd like to come back to it because a subject very close to my own heart is involved in exactly this point that you bring up, that now the law has been uh, revisited in El Salvador and that war crimes will be prosecuted. And I guess my own axe to grind about this is about the murder of Roque Dalton, who was my friend and colleague. So I'm I'm very anxious that that we know where his body is and that the murderers be called out. But let's move on 
and yes. talked about this wonderful project Andares because it's hard to stay focused on it for me because Andares and this multiple disciplinary approach brings up all of all of the subjects that are filling the world at this moment it does. now more than ever it does and that is precisely uh, the goal that's the objective that's what facilitates the dialogue now you had said something about our process assuming that means that you are salvadoran right i was born and raised in el salvador and i came to live here precisely because of the war so my, i'm a political exile i came here in the 80s right in the midst of the war my own partner was disappeared he was a medical physician who participated in protests looking for patient amnesty immunity so that patients in hospitals would not be killed or taken away he directed that national protest of health workers i think it was in 1979 and this put him in a very visible profile so after that he also contributed to the to the revolution by looking at patients and sometimes um, training paramedics so he definitely was for the revolution and uh, he was taken away from his clinic and we never saw him again that was in december 1981 after that i could not come back because as you know in El Salvador the way disappearances work is first you take the person you're interested and then you take the people most closely associated with him so that caused you to stay here did you stay in the bay area i stayed in the bay area well, at, at first i was in the valley for a little while and then then they told me you really belong in berkeley you have to go there and and see what berkeley is doing in solidarity with el salvador and so i did i did come here and then found people from Cispis and uh just stayed here. And so did you come to Berkeley already as a dancer? I came I've been dancing for over 30 years, but my professional training is as a cultural geographer. So when I came, I did not have that degree yet. I have a PhD in in cultural geography now having gone to Berkeley. But when I came, I had a different degree in business. So I really changed my career and my life after I came here and and the motivation was to try to understand how these things happen in countries like mine. So how did Andares evolve? Like I say I I I'm not a professional dancer but I've danced for many years. So one of the dance classes that I was taking in the last few years was a contemporary dance class from Ann Blythenthal. Uh, she's also a dance teacher and she also teaches at CIIS. So every time she would introduce a new concept, I would really resonate with what she was saying because as a geographer, one of my fields of of specialty or interest is the body, the body and space and the politics of it. So and in particular the gender politics of it. So um I would pick up on subtleties and after class sometimes we would talk and she could see how much I resonated with her whole project, you know, not only the dance as a as movement per se, but again all the social and political resonances and implications. And she said you have to be working with me. And so she asked me to to join her larger umbrella pr- a project which is called the forgiveness project and under that she has other different projects that are going on some of which happen here in the tenderloin in San Francisco where she works with former homeless and makes regular presentations with them that come from them from their dialogue and actually encourages the, their social dialogue within them really really beautiful and skull sky watchers. So she asked me to join her forgiveness project and we spoke about what the project was about and it really is not a project that tries to promote forgiveness but rather explore it and explore it in many different ways. What does it mean? What does it do? How does it feel? What does it project? So she has done several projects within the forgiveness uh, project uh 
regarding different human rights violations, like regarding the Rwanda uh, genocides and the the female oppression there. And she did it also with the Russian dancers. So she has had several international projects regarding the question of forgiveness. So I talked to her about El Salvador and how I thought forgiveness was a very, very complex concept and explained to her uh, what people were living at that time. The FMLN had already been in power since 2009 with a non-FMLN candidate, with a more of a centrist candidate. So this was going to be the first time that an actual FMLN person was running for government. And I was telling her all that that was bringing up in the country. And also, you know, where you have torturers and tortured people going to the same bakery, for instance, or having their children go to the same school, or seeing each other even at church. So, you know, how do you negotiate forgiveness that way? So she says, "Uh, we have to explore that, and we have a project. So that was March, in June we were in El Salvador, already forming a group of collaborators. Artists, Salvadoran artists. Salvadoran artists, because we, we want to keep that artistic approach, that way of entering the subject that is alternative, that is different. And how did you begin? The way I began is by calling friends who knew artists, because you know, I haven't lived there for a long time. And so I started calling my friends that I know are also politically engaged and socially responsible. And they gave me some names. I also knew a couple of artists myself and called them. And we just got like eight or nine names. And we asked them, do you want to start talking about this? This is what we have in mind. They said yes. Some said yes. Some couldn't. Some started and then could not really keep up with the time commitment. But at that time in June, we came and started to listen to their stories and their doubts and their ideas. And we were floored with their stories, even though I'm from there and I have my own story. To hear the the stories of some of these people, ex-combatants for the most part, was really such an eye-opening experience, such a heart-opening experience for me and for Anne, too. Uh, Once we had all that material, we were both looking at each other's like, wow, what are we going to do? This is a huge responsibility. This is really large. And so we started taping all those interviews and then transcribing them. And then I had to translate them. And then we started editing them down to make a script. And, and by 2015, uh, May 2015, we presented it in, in the international San Francisco International Arts Festival. And this time you were using Bay Area people as the participants. We used Bay Area people for the dancers. We used a Salvadoran in the Bay Area for to be the actress and also the singer, because we have actors and singers. Uh, we had a Nicaraguan actor who's fabulous. Who was um, that? Ricky Sainz. Uh, and the singer is Roxana Damas. And Ricky's Nicaraguan, he was the actor. The, the dancers were mostly American, African-American, Filipino-American, and I I think one of them was also part Salvadorian. But the musicians were Salvadorans. So the musicians, the group whose name now is Achun, which is an indigenous name, uses pre-Hispanic flutes uh, together with modern instruments like synthesizers. But these flutes are like 1,200 years old. And they've come up with excavations that have been done for, you know, different agricultural projects. And this man, Mauricio Lopez, has collected them. He has about 60 of them. Because they are patrimony of, of El Salvador, he cannot decide to take them out of the country whenever he pleases. But he can use them, and he does. So they have all these beautiful compositions with this ancestral sound that I can't tell you. It's really soul-piercing. So you recorded that in El Salvador and you used the recorded music here in the Bay Area? To rehearse. Then one week before we presented at the festival, they came. 
And this is when musicians and actors and singers and dancers saw each other for the first time. And that was fantastic. That was incredibly moving. I'm uh, overwhelmed at how exciting it must have been using all of these different elements and populations to create this piece of art. I've seen a little of it in the trailer. Could you tell people how they could see that trailer on the web? Well, there are different size trailers, but if they go to what's still going on, it's called the Generosity Campaign, in which we ask for donations, particularly for Andares El Salvador, for which we can get no grants in the United States, uh, largely because it's not being presented here, and it, we're not using artists from here. And El Salvador is so broke economically and they're going through very severe austerity measures you know the government so we we have very limited funds the salvadoran government is helping us with dancers and w with resources so that's huge you know that that's almost like half of the budget so this project is international you first presented it at a festival here in the Bay Area, but then you also have a company that you have created in El Salvador that's performing. Is that right? The, the company we're using in El Salvador is the national dance company of El Salvador, which is a really beautiful, beautiful dance company. So the government has allowed us to do the choreography with them. So we go regularly there to rehearse with them. But going back to the website, website's name is Generosity Campaign Andares. Google that, it'll take you to our Generosity Campaign and there you will see uh, a couple of trailers. You can also go to ABD Productions website and then you will see uh, the Andares project and you, then you can see also the, the longer trails. Would trails. you spell Andares for us? A is, is Apple, N is Dan Nancy, D is dog, A is Apple, R, E, S is Sam, Andares. And so you are still raising funds. So we're still raising funds. We very, very much need them. Like I said, we have the dancers there. The, the Salvadoran government also has given us the theater, their colonial theater, which is beautiful, the Teatro Nacional, and space to rehearse. Also all the technicians in the theater, also lights and sound engineers. So we have that, but we need to pay the musicians. We need to pay the actors, the singer, and we need to pay for all the trips going there, the travel and lodging. So we have a hefty amount of, of expenses. And covered. what is the plan for performances there, or have there been already performances there? No. The main performances there are going to be in March of 2017 at the National Theater on the 17th, the 18th, and the 19th. For that, we're going to have excerpts of the piece, like a wave of, of promoting it and one is going to happen in December at uh, La Casa Tomada which is a very beautiful converted house in San Salvador for young artists, young alternative artists. And what was the response here in San Francisco to the Bay Area production? It was a really good response. The place where we held it, which is the firehouse at Fort Mason, is a very small place, so we could only take a very limited number of people. So tickets sold out right away, even though we had three presentations. So we had to open the dress rehearsal to be able to have more people come see it. So it was, it was a huge success. People wanted to see it, but we couldn't accommodate such large audience. So we kept thinking we have to bring it back in a larger place where more people can see it. And we are planning on doing that. We are planning to bring it back. Do you have any dates? Not yet. Our hands are full still with thinking of the presentation in 2017 in El Salvador. Well, we look forward to hearing more about that. Now, let's go back to where we started, which was the bigger topic of the world scene where forgiveness is such an issue, and especially in Latin America. For example, in Guatemala, we just, was it last year that they brought up the generals 
as war criminals, and it was only the female judges that were able to push that through. Can you talk more about that and that and any other topics like it that come into your mind? Because you are a most amazing guest. <laughs> Thank you, Nina. Uh, I, I can tell you more about El Salvador. Please. And I want to tell you about the reactions of our, our collaborating artists, which are not only collaborating, they're co-creators. We have created this as a group. Uh, whenever we would bring the question of forgiveness, of course, everybody was deeply evoked by it. And But they did go there. They did try to think about it, ex examine, explore it in their minds. And what we came up with after talking to all of them is that forgiveness, for one, does not necessarily mean to forget or to put outside of your mind, but it means a very conscious effort not to cultivate hatred. So that though the son of a person who was tortured will live with that idea all his life and will never accept it and will never think that there is a reason for it or justified it in any ways, he says his idea of forgiveness is to not want to do to somebody else what was done to his father or to himself. So to stop the chain of revenge and hatred. So that is a very immediate form of forgiveness. It stops the reproduction of hatred. So they definitely think people should be held accountable and should be brought to trial. Forgiveness should not mean impunity, but they say, let's try to look for hope. It's try to aim our vision towards change, towards the future. That's a form of forgiveness. And that's what Andares is really committed to doing. Well, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation for me. I've really enjoyed it and hope that you will come back again to La Raza Chronicles and keep us up to date with the Andares project. Thank you so much, Nina. Thanks for this huge opportunity. I want to take advantage of this and call out your radio audience to help Andares to visit our website and to give us any donations they can to help this dream come true. Muchas gracias. A usted, Nina, gracias. De nada.
Up next are poems by our very own Nina Serrano. Her poems are around San Francisco's Mission District. You can find more of Nina's work and also find her latest book, Nicaragua Way, at her website, ninaserrano.com. This is Nina Serrano for La Raza Chronicles. I'm going to share with you two of my newest poems. There have been fires all over the Mission District in very recent years, but this history goes back to the 70s. These are two poems about the same subject. Alarm by Nina Serrano. Fire, 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 raging everywhere. The Mission District and Bernal Heights burning for profit, burning for decades. As property values soar, the flames grow higher, and greedy rings of fire leave homelessness and ruin. Insurance, money, and high rent. Developments rise and flourish. Who can put the fire out? Who can put the fire out? Only our red-hot protests, louder than engine sirens. Basta ya! Stop! Enough! The city needs its people, shops, and cultural institutions. Let's not fiddle while Rome burns. Let's orchestrate our powerful chorus into a flame-extinguishing voice in a grand symphony worthy of a great city. This next poem on the same subject is called Burning Bright. Burning Bright. Igniting the night sky in flames, making a smoky morning, the landlords collecting insurance money, the tenants turning out homeless, the pace of events accelerating over the decades in San Francisco's barrio as real estate prices skyrocket towards the witnessing moon. Fire, fire, fire raging all about. Here come the firemen to put the fire out. But where will you live when upscale housing replaces your burnt old cozy place where your family, sheltered from the storms, ate, rested, and dreamed, partied with friends, mopped the kitchen floor, changed the light bulbs in home? Sweet home. Thanks for listening to my poems. I hope you have enjoyed them. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de la Raza. I'm Julieta Kusnid, and today we are very lucky to have Paul Flores here with us. He has just finished wrapping up writing, and he's directing On the Hill, I Am Alex Nieto. And this is a very, very powerful play that people have been anticipating, people have been looking forward to, because it's a story that is a San Francisco story. It's a story that's beyond the mission. It's a story that people can relate to all over the country, but also is necessary to tell because it brings to life and also immortalizes a story that has impacted so many. I'm, of course, talking about Alex Nieto's murder on Bernal Hill here in San Francisco. Thank you so much for joining us, Paul. We're really lucky to have you here. Thank you so much, Julieta. And it's my honor to be on Rasa Chronicles again. Thank you, KPFA. We are looking forward to this week because this is the big premiere. It premieres Thursday and goes on through Sunday. And it's something that people are going to get a chance to see it at the Brava Theater, which is very important and symbolic because it's the theater that's most important in the Mission District in San Francisco. So first off, there's a lot of components of this play. Can you tell us a little bit about Loco Bloco is a big part of it. There's a lot of young people from San Francisco and even from the mission involved. So just break it down. Give us a sense of what people can experience when they attend. It is important to acknowledge the power and impact of Loco Bloco, uh, which is a mission-based 
youth arts and uh, youth development organization. Uh, started out of the San Francisco Mission District back in the 90s, really to address kind of like, you know, positive activities for young people to choose when they're also facing a lot of violence on the street. So it was developed out of a, an alternative to to barrio and, and neighborhood uh, violence that turned into, you know, a, a thriving great you know youth arts program which we have a lot of in the mission district and that that should be one of the main things people understand about this show and about on the hill is that we are participating in a in a tradition of mission-based youth arts programming that activates our young people to become integrated into our community, you know, through caring about what happens to the folks in our community. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we build awareness and activism in young people through the arts. And that's what actually Local Bloco has been doing from the beginning. You know, they, we love them up. We love up the young folks. But we also break them off with, with some, some education and skills development in the arts until they can apply what they learn to their own lives. And that's what we're trying to do with On the Hill. We started in July 2015. Annie uh, Jupiter Jones, who's the executive director of Local Local, hit me up. She said, Paul, we recognize how big this case is of Alex Nieto's death. It's about our community. A lot of people are asking questions, you know. How did this happen? How does a, a 28-year-old man get shot 59 times at Bernal Hill Park? where my family goes to hike, where I used to go hang out and party at night, where I like to take in the views, where we go celebrate and ask for peace, where we do meditation. Why in the hell are the police shooting in our neighborhood like this? And so a, a lot of uh, um, not only young people, but parents were interested in that. And so, you know, Local Bloco does work with hundreds of young people in the neighborhood. And so they were like, we think, Paul, that you have the ability to lead young folks through this artivistic this artivist project, you know, where young people learn art in order to act, to be active in the community about bringing up social justice issues and helping gather other folks in. So they approached me about working with young folks to build this piece that's based on the form that I use, which is interview-based theater, which is, you know, um, issue-based theater. If you've seen my work, whether it's Placas or um, You're Gonna Cry, right, all of them are kind of based on real people, real stories in the neighborhood. This is my third play. That's kind of documenting the impact of gentrification on the Mission District. So it's a good fit, you know. There's a lot to, to address. There's a lot to connect between not only the play but nationally what's going on with, with uh, police accountability. There's a lot of great people involved locally. So we're excited about the play. Um, we're excited about the fact that Local Bloco is involved in every aspect of it. So there's music and dance in it. So, you know, there's going to be, you know, heartache, but there's also going to be catharsis and, and joy and beauty and energy and, and audience participation and clapping and dancing and singing and all that great stuff. That's the voice of Paul Flores, and he's talking to us about On the Hill, I Am Alex Nieto, which premieres this week. It is coming up. It's coming up this Thursday. So just a couple days from now is the world's premiere and folks can check it out then and really should get on it because there are just a few nights that it's playing at the Brava Theater. So Paul, as you mentioned, young people are resisting all the time in the mission all over. They're fighting back. Um, as someone who works with young people, my students have, are by no means taking this lane down. They, of course, have moments of hopelessness and despair, but constantly they're using art, they're using their critical thinking, using their creative approach to the world to really think about how can we create a world where they, their parents can thrive, they can thrive, where what they see is just can actually become a reality. So that's a lot of what this play is about because there's going to be some talk back opportunities where people are going to actually have a chance to talk about the pain of displacement, but also talk about solutions and talk about accountability. Can you tell us a little bit about how you have been able to really involve young people in the creation of not just the play, but also these spaces where they can actually voice their concerns? Well, we should be clear about, you know, the type of educational arc that this this play is asking young people to go on, right? So these are young folks who are interested in the issues and interested in local bloco, but don't necessarily know what the case is really about. Like, what is, you know, police brutality? What is the the culpability of the city and the state? So 
So just to give you a quick background, these young people went through a, over a year of investigation. Like we interviewed uh, not just community members, but we interviewed, you know, the public defender, Jeff Adachi. We interviewed the attorney who led the civil rights uh, case for the, the Nettos against the city, Adante Pointer. We met with witnesses who were in the trial, you know. So these young people had to learn this story in and out. They learned how a case works how one wins a case, how the city were able to manipulate the jury by getting jurors to uh, sit on this case, none of whom were black or brown or from San Francisco, all of them living in the suburbs, you know, all of them were, were either white or Asian, right? We're not having to face the same pressures as the young people who live in this neighborhood. And basically, they were exposed to the corruption of the justice, quote unquote, justice system. And I, and I want people to really think about this. You know, what justice has afforded people of color in this country? You know, are we tired? Aren't we, aren't we like sick and tired of being, being manipulated and exploited by capitalist justice? This justice system is a lie. And I think that's one of the big things that we are exposing to young people. You can't trust it. You can't trust it. You can't trust the police. You can't trust this, this legal system. You can't trust the justice system, right? So who do we trust, right? We trust the truth. We trust the truth. And so what we've done is like working with guys like Ben Boxierra, right, who is a, is a, city, a city college uh, professor and writer and activist who started the Amor and Justice for Alex Nieto Coalition. We introduced him and his people and all the folks, you know, together to, to the activities uh, around raising awareness around this case, right? Young people, you know, these were 16, 17, 18, 19, 21-year-old people, right, who, who got activated quickly, who interviewed people whose trauma was very present in the interviews. They had to take on these people's trauma. These are teenagers, right, who are dealing with their own trauma. And, and that was the whole beautiful thing. So we integrated a lot of education, not only about the system, but about healing, about healing. That, that was really important, was that if we were going to enter into this journey around death, that we had to give young people some tools around healing. So we, we did healing circles. You know, the play itself begins with an acknowledgement of our ancestors. It begins with a prayer, and then we go deep into the case, right? So the idea being that the Bernal Hill was a place for peace. You feel me? It was a place for peace. That's where Alex went to go meditate. Alex Nieto was a practicing Buddhist for 10 years. Why would police kill a Buddhist? And that's something that we ought to think about, too, how how Buddhism actually works, you know, as nonviolence. But how also, you know, we don't know everybody's karma. We don't know everybody's karma. And and, and part of the, the process we, who we also interviewed was a lot of the folks from the Soka Gakkai International, which is the Buddhist center that Alex was part of. So you don't even know the, the, the intertwined web of stories that this one case brings together and tells us who and what San Francisco is going through right now. OK, so many things that the young people had to kind of take in, including the fact that the people who called 911 on Alex uh, right after he, you know, had the argument with the guy and his and his dog. Not only did he have an argument with a, a man whose dog was attacking him, that man was a, a, only a six month resident of Bernal Heights who worked for a large tech company. The guy who called 911 was also Anglo and a six month resident of Bernal Heights who also worked for a tech company. So this was the whole idea around how gentrification killed Alex Nieto. So this is also something the young people are going through right now, having their own families being forced out of their neighborhoods. So, you know, I I'm passionate about it. The piece is passionate. Uh, you know, it, it has a lot of music and dance in it, but we're too pissed off to be making a musical right now. I want people to know that. Like, you know, this this isn't Hamilton. You know, this is this is this is like, you know, Rage Against the Machine. That's voice of Paul Flores. And we're talking about On the Hill. I am Alex Nieto, which is coming up this week and people can catch. So why don't you tell us about some of the things that are really especially also very unique about this performance, about the talkback time, which is it's time that people are actually going to get to explore these issues. And unfortunately, there just aren't enough spaces where we can have these conversations in a bigger way. So why don't you tell us about what people can take part in and why it's so essential that they really make it to one of these, these upcoming shows? Friday, October 28th, we have a talkback, post-show talkback that features a conversation between local youth leaders out of different organizations like Poder, right? So 
uh, Poder will we'll play some young folks uh, on stage in conversation with some of our systems leaders, right? So either the public defender or Campos or Avalos will discuss the, the intersection of gentrification and police violence. Young people will talk about their experience with it and, you know, systems leaders will discuss, you know, what are the current kind of solutions being being uh, weighed, right? So that's, that's going to happen on Friday, but we want young people to be talking to the system. So folks in the audience will have a chance to listen and respond to that conversation between uh, youth organizers and systems leaders around the concept, uh, around the theme of gentrification and police violence. Saturday, we're going to invite the different coalitions who have been basically looking for justice for their dead family members who were all killed by San Francisco police. So we'll have like, you know, Alex Nieto's family, Refugio Navira Nieto will be there, the Justice and Amor for Alex Coalition, the Mario Woods Coalition, Emil Carperez uh, Coalition. They'll be there representing, you know, their experiences with what they've seen in the process of looking for justice for their families and giving folks like an idea of, you know, this is what we're hoping you will do as community members. I know one of the things that we're going to, they're going to do is we're going to project our supervisors' emails on on the uh, screen and ask folks to take those down and email our supervisors, demanding that they support and you know lean on Parks and Rec to get a memorial bench placed in the spot Alex Nieto was killed on Bernal Hill Park. Um, we know that that's actually on on the Parks and Recs. They have to approve of the bench, you know how it's built, all that stuff. And they have to approve where it's placed, where in the place that he was killed. So it's not so much city hall's power as it is their job, their ability to influence the Parks and Rec to do this work with us. So Paul, why don't you let us know about how people can actually make sure they get tickets, and also other ways that people can support this production, or if they for some reason are not going to be able to make some of those shows, are there other ways that people can catch this really groundbreaking, important production? Well, definitely should you should do your best to get here October twenty seventh through the 30th at Brava Theater um, in the heart of the mission, 24th and York Street, where pretty much a lot of our mission organizing arts and activism goes down, you know, right there. Uh, that's like where we, where we do Dia de los Muertos. That's where we, we, we begin a lot of our, of our, of our um, community-oriented actions, whether they be cultural-based. That's where Carnival starts. I mean, all that stuff is right there, you know. We're talking about taking it to the mission. So be there. October 27th through 30th at Brava Theater. You can go to www.brava.org and hook that up and, you know, pick your tickets up there. Um, you can also call Local Local for more information. That's 415-864-LOCO, right? Uh, local. <laughs> or you can just go to localbloco.org also. Uh, but um, if you miss these shows, right, like you might, we do have a lot of people coming in from all over uh, the state to see this piece because um, this is, from what I know, the first theater production about a real person who was killed in the Black Lives Matter movement moment. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the first big theater project that addresses the, that specific movement. So there hasn't been, you know, a lot of docu-theater around these issues. This is, this is very innovative in a number of other ways because uh, I'm a professional playwright working with uh, non-professional actors, right, and, and teaching them. Uh, how to be, you know, uh, activists, uh, artists, and theater makers. And on top of that, uh, we have a, a community process where we interviewed so many people who are going to be looking at their own stories being told in this context. So you don't want to miss this. One of the things we've been doing is rehearsing at City College Mission Campus, which has been a, a real uh, blessing for us because we're there right there in, in the in the quad of, of the Mission Campus of City College. And I don't know if people even know where City College is on the Mission Campus. You know, that's a very Latino-centric space, right? A lot of folks go in for, for uh, English language development, ESL classes, and also, you know, it's 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 serves people who need education, uh, accessible education. Um, so we're there rehearsing Monday, Wednesday and and Thursday and students will just hang out and watch us. And we'll be doing stuff like, you know, chanting or dancing and singing and they'll laugh and they'll try to dance with us. And so we're going to be doing a show there at the Mission Campus for the whole community on November 3rd at seven o'clock. Uh, so after Dia de los Muertos, we're going to honor Alex Nieto and his girlfriend, Yaya Yahida, uh, who both went to City College or City College 
students, and we're going to perform right there for the community in the community room on November 3rd. So that's a, a free show. So people should definitely try to check that out. It won't be the same exact production as the one at Brava, but it will engage more uh, Spanish speakers too. But it'll be combined with a Dia de los Muertos celebration. So November 3rd at uh, Mission Mission Campus City College, 7 o'clock. And then we're doing a, another community performance at Lick Wilmerding High School on November 9th. Uh, and that will be uh, 6.30 p.m. We'll be talking. The, the post-show talk will include the Human Rights, the director of the Human Rights Commission uh, of San Francisco uh, City. So that's going to be awesome, too. I'm like, everywhere we go, we're, we're just bringing, we're bringing it, right? We're, we're bringing the issue. But we're also asking people to respond. Like, tell us what you're going to do. So we're talking to systems leaders. Uh, that's part of the whole thing. Uh, we were recently granted some money to take this production into several schools uh, around which we will be developing activities for young people to also use their voices and art to spark conversation around police accountability, gentrification, and youth leadership. So that is going to happen in the new year. We're going to take this uh, show on tour through schools, too. That's the voice of Paul Flores. We've been talking about On the Hill. I am Alex Nieto, and this is the world premiere, and um, we really recommend folks make sure that they can make it to one of these productions. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros. We really appreciate you taking the time coming into the studio on this rainy day, Paul, and um, we look forward to, to seeing the production. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you all at Brava Theater, October 27th through 30th for On the Hill. I am Alex Nieto. Woo! And this next song is by one of our favorites, Bang Data. Mi corazón se me cerró cuando acabó tu comprensión ya no más. La tempestad ya se calmó, sé que juntos daremos para más. Uh, 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 ya no más. Uh, 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 ya no más.
listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm Brenda Yescas, and this is a calendar of events for the San Francisco Bay Area. From October 27th through the 30th, the Brava Theater is hosting a play called On the Hill. It tells the story of the impact that the death of Alex Nieto at the hands of the SFPD has had on the youth of color residing in San Francisco neighborhoods. Written and directed by Paul Flores, the project uses music, dance, and theater as a powerful tool for communities, divided by the issues of police violence, racism, gentrification, and economy disparity. At the Brava Theater, 2781 24th Street in San Francisco. All shows start at 7.30 p.m. Brava.org. From now till November 19th, join MACLAS for their 30th annual Dia de los Muertos event, Ofrendas para las Animas, Offerings for the Souls. This exhibit features artists and ofrendas by Emilia Berumen, Anita De Lucio, Aurelio Melcor Pimentel, and more at the Mission Cultural Center for the Latino Arts, 2868 Mission Street, missionculturalcenter.org. Soma Art's annual Day of the Dead exhibition is happening now till November 5th, curated by René Yañez and Rio Yañez, with the assistant from architect Nick Gomez, the event features work by more than 70 artists each year. This is at Soma Arts, 934 Brandon Street in San Francisco, somaarts.org. For Saturday, October 29th, we have a community member joining us, Lucia Kimball, telling us a little bit about an event, Beloved Community Healing Clinic. Welcome, Lucia. Thanks so much, Brenda, for having me on. I wanted to ask you a little bit about what the Community Healing Clinic is all about. Yes, we are excited to be hosting our beloved Community Healing Clinic. It's a free traditional healing clinic for all community members of all ages and all genders, as well as gender non-conforming people. It's going to be taking place on Saturday, October 29th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Tassa Faranga Rec Center, which is located at 975 85th Avenue in Oakland, California. And really the intention of the beloved Community Healing Clinic is to provide a space for all individuals, couples, groups, friends, co-workers, relatives, and families to learn about and experience culturally based, natural, non-industrial forms of healing and healthcare. We know that stress and lack of safe spaces severely impact our underserved community members and traditional healing services like this are rare and desperately needed. In particular, we recognize that historic and ancestral trauma is passed on in family lines for multiple generations. And so one of our most important goals is to generate spiritual resolution for black, indigenous, immigrant, and other populations whose histories of slavery, of genocide, have spiritual and physical impacts on the current and future generations, especially those that continue to experience systemic oppression, abuse, and neglect today. So we invite all community members to be part of this healing to our clinic. We especially invite people who lack access to holistic wellness care. We believe everyone deserves holistic loving care. The services are completely free and are on a drop-in, first-come, first-served basis. Uh, They include acupuncture, energy cleanses, somatic body work, holistic reproductive health care, nutrition consultations, massage, and other modalities. I do want to say that child care will be provided. Services will be offered in both Spanish and English. And the rec center is close to Coliseum BART, AC Transit Lines, uh, 90 and 98. This event is wheelchair accessible. Who can our listeners contact for more information on this event? For more information, you, may, you can contact Lalis Vasquez at L-A-L-I-S dot H-C-C at gmail.com. Phone number 909-844-2097. You can also contact Carla Perez at Carla at movementgeneration.org. 510-258-8445. Thank you for joining us, Lucia, and telling us a little bit about the Beloved Community Healing Clinic. Once again, this clinic is targeted for people that are marginalized and of limited resources. 
Thanks so much for having me on, Brenda. And again, we invite all community members on Saturday, October 29th, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Tassafaranga Rec Center, 975 85th Avenue in Oakland, California. Thank you. And this has been the calendar of events, cultura y arte for the Bay Area. If you'd like to add your event to the calendar, please email us at larasachronicles at kpfa.org. And for more information on our show, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Chronicles. Feliz noches. You've been listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. If you'd like to submit any story ideas or you have segments you'd want to cover or pieces you want to submit, you can email us at larasachronicles at kpfa.org. You can also listen to the show again or share it with your friends by finding us on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash Chronicles. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Muchísimas gracias y buenas noches.